0: Say it the fuck out my face, stop. Look in my waist and look on your face, stop. Ride with my strap, tryna make it home safe, dog. Do you really wanna play ball? Do you really wanna play dog. Chasing my tail, trailing my fate, dog. I was taking my l's with an L in my face, stop. Making no
1: tales I can tell it's our Do you really want to play Do you really want to play All right, we're back And this week we are Big time, Um, And uh, Quentin, how are you doing tonight?
0: I'm good, Tim To start off, I want to ask you okay. What is your favorite Live action children's show?
1: Uh, damn, what the hell? I mean, professional wrestling, right? Um, maybe <laughs> you, you know, uh, that's that works. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I know, I when I was a kid, I hated anything that had people in it, you know, I just didn't like the shows with people. So, yeah, I couldn't even say one that I actually liked. Maybe Fraggle Rock, does that count? It's got puppets. So yeah, I, I mean,
0: that 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 works for you ever, like, a um. Were you, like, were you, like, into all that?
1: Uh, I watched some of it, but all that came at a weird time because I was, you know, for me, I was just getting a little bit older by the time it was out. But not, you know, I wasn't, like, a, like, really old, but still I was, yeah, not that old. I've never been a big TV watcher also. That's the weirdest thing. Wrestling is, the like, the only show that I've ever, like, watched a ton of and always watched. It's very, very odd. Um... But <laughs> why the question? And I guess what's what's your answer here, Quentin? Well, it's,
0: it seems it seems like you're not aware of uh, the show Big Time Rush, which is no, what which which is what uh, this week's show is uh, is uh, named after. If you couldn't tell, I'm the one that came up with the name this week. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> yeah, that's a. But, but
0: it's a Nick, but it's a Nickelodeon show that revolves around this band that's the most popular band in the world. Uh, Rush? Uh, the,
1: the, the prog rock band?
0: No, it's not. It's this show um, for
1: kids about Rush. No,
0: it's like a, it's a it's a boy <laughs> band. It's like their uh, they take on like the in the In and Backstreet Boys of the world.
1: I would love if there was a Disney show that was for kids that was just about the prog rock band Rush. You know like, in in 2021 that might be possible. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like people always talk about um oh god uh, yo, gabba, gabba, and how uh, the aquabats are involved, but I guess mm. the original creator. So, I met someone recently who knew like the main person behind it, not like the aquabats, and it was somebody else that's from like you know, punk rock culture, culture kind of stuff and, and LGBTQ stuff. And I forgot who it was now, but I was like, oh, there, that's who the, like, the other person is too. So, I guess, yeah, it wouldn't be the craziest thing.
0: So, you weren't, so I guess like you weren't really super into uh. I guess, like, what were, the, what were those, like, those, uh, the 90s, uh, sec- the Sick We You weren't, like, the saved by the bells and stuff like that either? No, no,
1: no, nope, no. Nope. Uh, I watched when I was, like, in, like, elementary school, Power Rangers came to America, and I was really excited about it for a while, um, and I wanted to watch it and stuff, but it was also, like, at a time where I had to rush home to be able to catch it after school, basically. It was when it would air on TV when it first started. Showing and I couldn't because I couldn't always make it, it made me just stop caring about watching it, which is kind of weird. I know, but that was like how my brain has always worked. That's why wrestling, I think, was something that I've had at times been so obsessed with, especially at times when it felt like it was possible to watch everything you know, that I would like try to watch everything. I'm a real like crazy completist like that, so so that was like one of the few times where like a live action show was interesting to me as a kid. Um, but I gave up on it when I felt like, oh, I'm not going to always be able to catch this, so I'm just not, I'm not even going to try.
0: Understand, understandable, understandable.
1: Yeah, exactly. Very odd. Um, but yeah, so let's see here, Quentin. Um, I feel like there's a ton of news and a ton of important things going on. Um, but, uh, nothing that I can remember in wrestling that I really care about. Um... Yeah, I don't know. What any news, any notes, uh, things like that that have been interesting to you lately? Uh,
0: no, I mean it. It seemed, it seemed like the first night of Fighter Fest was was pre- was pretty fun. I know, I know you're going to get to a little to a little bit of that, but yeah, yeah. Um, even like okay, so transparency here. Um, the big boss man here at the uh, network, Sam.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: Is raving about this ROH show that we're going to review tonight. Did
1: he really rave? I didn't see him actually I don't know how rave. much
0: of this is a bit. I don't know how much of this is that him genuinely believing this. But keeps talking about this new era for ROH. And hopefully it's a bit. Hopefully he that didn't, part I think is a bit. Hopefully he didn't enjoy this very much. Because I left this show in... Uh, I guess other than Gresham versus Mike Bennett being okay, I was, I was left very confused as to why Sam was so excited about the show.
1: Yeah, see, I don't agree with you there. I liked this show for the most part. All I right? wouldn't say that it had like a ton of great stuff, but it definitely had some, uh, some interesting matches and some interesting direction. And, I mean, okay, counterpoint <laughs> or other point, The only other promotion that isn't, like, one of the big, you know, four or five promotions that have existed forever, except for AEW that's, like, relatively new, that has any buzz is, like, Gleet. When we're in the world where, like, the online hotness that people are constantly talking about is Gleet, you're going to tell me that this ROH show isn't on par with, like, deserving similar level of buzz?
0: Ooh, shit, my bad. My headphones out.
1: I heard a little echo there
0: yeah my bad my my, my headphones out
1: <laughs> It's fine
0: um I mean I guess I mean I guess that's I guess that's possible um, but tell
1: me that's not fair. tell me that this ROH show wasn't as good you know maybe not as good in ring but everything all in in together like I can't say that this is like doesn't deserve some recognition at the same level and people are going crazy about Gleet. I mean, you know
0: like I, I just feel I just feel like weird praising a show that has brian johnson on it as a major like plot point sure
1: sure sure (laughs) yeah that i mean he's one of those guys that i just don't get at all who's being i mean we're gonna talk about in the review so we can wait for that but yeah um well, I mean, geez, Quentin. I was trying to—I was trying to set you up here. You, you said you wanted to talk about politics a little bit, so I'll just say, hands off Cuba. That's all that needs to be said. I think that's the—the the only point I think that we need okay. to make. I don't. You have Look, any deeper. Um,
0: any mentioning of Cuba's current situation without mentioning the without mentioning the decades uh, of continued harassment on a small island country just because they happen to not. Um, abide by your by your uh, capitalist Western United Powers regime when they have no capacity to bother you or affect you or go to war with you or anything or anything like that, and all this continued harassment over the years, and not mentioning how these imbar- these embargoes and, san- and sanctions and blockades can affect this country's ability to. Feed to uh, to feed its, uh, its its citizens and its people and thrive and get the necessary uh, supplies and resources in order to maintain itself. You can't you're like you're not qualified to talk about these things. Joe Biden is full of shit. Anyone that's talking about these things on the congressional floor and talking about supporting Cuba while also not mentioning the U.S.'s direct harassment and uh. Just, just straight up bullying of this country just because it happens to be socialist. You, you're part of the problem here because because a country like Cuba will never be able to just exist in peace because of these Monroe Doctrine ideas that anything that exists in what in the Western Hemisphere that the U.S. is allowed to fuck with it. And yeah. that's what that's what I'll say there. <laughs>
1: that's it and that's 100 percent correct and and at least some people with any fucking brains are pointing that out you know the people who just overlook the history of the embargo and you can try to argue however you like it's it's insanely short-sighted to try to pretend like oh you know they're the the protests and all this are not just based on things that are coming from the embargo everything is colored by the embargo it's i mean If you want to look at it, it's decades-long like oppression coming from us that affects their entire economy in every single way, every transaction that happens is affected by the embargo. So any issues are related to the embargoes. Point like just that's the that's the end of the conversation, no matter what anyone has to say. The other side of it is (coughs) Cuba's major trading partners have all been hit hard by COVID as well. So to try to act like they're It doesn't make sense that they would be in a crisis situation right now, uh, you know, because early, you know, or they were lying early on when they acted like they were doing so good with COVID and all this. Like, you can last for a while, you can do okay, but when one of your major trading partners is China, and China has been insanely strict about, you know, uh, international travel and exporting and importing goods, uh, it's going to make it really impossible for them to continue for this long of a period of time uh, having their own economy. Without one of their major trading partners and one of the only countries that actually, you know, treats them fairly, uh, despite the American embargo. So you have to keep all that stuff in mind, no matter what anyone's saying about <coughs> Cuba and what's going on there. Um, they're basically just looking for an excuse to try to ransack Cuba <laughs> and also acting as if yeah,
0: kind of kind of in the same line with like the Hong Kong protests
1: that were that were, big, exactly.
0: that, were that were big. Is that these are things that are like legitimate problems and concerns that civilians should be able to have, but it shouldn't come at these expense as the civilians blaming a con- blaming the country and leaving out all these other details about why they're in this position. It's not because of Cu- it's not because of Cuba and Cuba being and Cuba being socialist or Cuba being communist, communist. Just like in Hong Kong, it's not be it's not because of of whatever whatever reasons like the Western media tried to uh, tried to point it out to be. These reasons are influenced by west by Western capitalist ideals. That's, these, yes. it, that's what these reasons are influenced by. So yeah, if, I want to see Cuban people um, get the, get their get their concern get their concerns addressed. One more one more thing is like people are vastly overestimating how big these protests actually are. They're making it seem like these are like these big gigantic nation sweeping things, and they aren't. But ultimately, people need to look at the situation, and while you want people's concerns addressed, realize that these things are being directly influenced by Western capitalist ideals and things that Western uh, countries have directly influenced. So you can't sit there and just look at, the, uh, look at Cuba or look at China and then by proxy Hong Kong and then just decide— oh, bad country, you're wrong, you did that, when other countries meddling in their, in, in their situation, in their business, and people that do align with ideals of uh, U.S. imperialism and Western imperialism are a direct reason and why this stuff is happening.
1: Right. And you have to keep in mind that you can't play both sides on this like some people do, which is to treat Russian descent towards their government that's you know communist as being good on face value and correct and the correct decisions and the correct points and then look at the mass actions in the streets during the summer here in America where people were you know rioting and looting and causing all the this this harm and protests and say that you know that's why are they burning down their own cities that they're just you know on on one side you understand that Not everybody who is protesting is necessarily a rational actor because most of the times, I mean, by definition, a protest is not a rational action because you are going out into the streets and intentionally breaking the law. That's the point. You can't protest legally. Legally, protesting is pointless. There is no no such thing as an actual legal protest. So by its nature, any kind of protest is an irrational action to, to to then say, well, it doesn't make any sense for people to go out and burn and loot their own communities in the, in the name of saying that they're not being treated properly, um, when you can understand that those actions are happening because it's an outcry and it's people who are pushed to the brink and they're doing things just to basically send a message that says, we can't continue on this way and then to say well okay but the cubans protesting and if any of them are chanting for america that's because they're actually very smart and they're being super rational actors and they know that actually communism is bad and america would be america capitalism would be much better for them it's irrational actions on both sides it's just people lashing out because they don't understand or they do understand but they just can't take the systemic issues that you can see are what are really causing the problems need to be addressed not the direct concerns, uh, or not the direct, you know, statements of the people, but read their actions and see what are they doing? What do they need? What's causing them to feel like they're at this breaking point, And that's what really needs to be addressed. And that's the thing where it's like, yeah, like, oh, okay. So, you know, when people are protesting in the streets and saying that we need to abolish the police, they don't know what they're talking about. They're just talking out of their ass. But when Cubans are saying, we hate communism, and it's killing us, they're, they know exactly what they're talking about, and they're geniuses. Right. OK. So, you know, we see that whatever fits the narrative that people want to use, that's what they're going to use.
0: Yeah. But this like this has just been like super, uh, super frustrating to see because it's like it's, it's like the same kind of tactics. And like, it's the U.S. Like, you know what the U.S. is doing. You know, it's, con- it's convenient how, like, you know, those big protests were happening in Haiti months ago. And there was literally no mention of all this stuff. Uh, on any of these news outlets or by these same political figures. But as soon as Cuba, a country that they've been dying to try to find a window to take over, uh, finds itself in a little bit of a situation that they can spin and make bigger than it actually is, you have Joe Biden coming out and making remarks about Cuba. When Haiti had had all this shit going on and not a single fucking peep because they had their puppet dictator in order in in order in haiti and they just killed him so they could get someone else in power (laughs) so
1: yeah i mean someone just killed him right we'll see we'll see uh who it was or figure whatever it's out but it definitely helps because there was there was upheaval coming and a lot of it was based around that you know prime minister dictator is probably the better word for it um and what he was saying so yeah this is a nice clean way to transition to you know whatever yeah whatever american-backed dictator we will install there um just like i guess maybe they're thinking they have a chance in cuba with the same thing there's not necessarily a power vacuum the the chain of the chain of uh of government was pretty pretty smoothly transitioned but we are you know relatively recently the first time there hasn't been a castro in charge of cuba in a long time so mm. maybe they think cuba's weak you know
0: it's just very very
1: frustrating, <laughs> it's frustrating.
0: Yeah. yeah, Just because like, I'm walking
1: in, I'm like, I know what you guys are fucking doing. <laughs> it's, it's disgusting, but it's right out there in the open, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, AEW, <laughs> Fighter Fest night one, pretty good stuff. Um, Moxley, Carl Anderson was, was pretty solid for sure. Hot opener. Ricky Starks wins the FTW championship from Brian Cage in a
0: did, good wait, match, wait, but with a did, 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 Mox, did,
1: did Mox wind up retaining there? He kept the title, yeah. So, all that talk about what the heck was going on there was for nothing. Um, Yeah, Starks wins the title in a bit of weird booking, but a hot match until the finish. Uh, Just one of those, like, swerve finishes where someone who's helping someone in the end, like, messes with them in the beginning. Whatever. It is what it is. Um, Sammy Guevara beats Wheeler Yuta in a quick but interesting match. Yuta, them going all in on Yuta has been interesting because they have taken to him, but this was a quick, you know, Sammy win. It wasn't necessarily a squash. Yuta got some stuff, but Yuta's a good guy, a good signing for them and a good person for them to take, you know, push pretty quickly because they can, they even tried to say it. They called him a technical wrestler here. There was like a mention on commentary about him being more of a technical style wrestler and it's like with all that talk that people had online about AEW has no technical wrestlers. They have, Yuta's a good you know, technical wrestler guy for them to to sign and push, and then present as a technical wrestler when like everything he did in this match was like mostly high flying and like fast paced stuff. You know, so it's like oh, we can present him as a technical wrestler. He can do a little tiny bit of grappling every now and then, and then we can act like AEW has a has some grapplers on their on their roster when they don't. Whatever, it's fine. Um, solid match though. Um, either way, the the main event Darby Allen versus uh, Ethan Page was phenomenal, and you know the ratings are in. Show did fucking seems to have done huge numbers, even going up against the NBA Finals. And uh, Darby Allen, I mean, we talked about it. Darby why Allen, Wrestler of the Year. Why what? don't people like
0: I get that every people like Ethan Page has never been the best wrestler in the world, but like, the, like, I don't understand this idea of being like surprised at a Darby Allen versus Ethan Page match being awesome. Like,
1: right. everyone
0: should have expected
1: that. <laughs> No. No, but here's the thing, like I'm saying, like the ratings are are back and they're really fucking high. Darby's in the main event. The match was put together really interestingly with the opening and, and the storytelling and everything going on. Darby's a fucking star, and we talked about it a while back about like what is Darby? Is he Wrestler of the Year? Is he you know MVP? You know like pulling ratings like this being a top main event level draw for the second biggest company in America being partnered up with sting and, and talked about it feeling like on the same level as sting. Like we're getting to the point where Darby for Flair. thez is not insane in yeah. a year like this. Who else do you compare him to that can be even close to the draw? Now with all the rumors of Cena and rock coming back, this shit could get blown out of the water. Right. But as of right now, AEW is selling there's tickets real, and WWE is not, there's a know? real, there's a real case. Yeah. So it's like with tick with events going on sale, crowds coming back. AEW is actually selling tickets and, and g- filling up buildings. WWE is having a hard time selling tickets. Um and Darby Allin is a top guy for the company. You cannot argue after this that he is not one of the one of the top guys. He's not the champion, but he's a top-level draw and he's just drawing ratings and he's putting people, you know, in, in seats. So the guy is just I mean, it's kind of tough if you're looking at everything wrestling and You know, drawing power. The guy might be the best wrestler in the world for that right now.
0: Yeah, especially uh, like like we put it out before a couple couple times, and there's Darby Allen stuff that they haven't even done yet.
1: Yeah, like
0: they have they haven't explored Kenny versus Darby yet. They really haven't. They really haven't explored these things. Hangman versus Darby Hasn't, hasn't hasn't really been explored yet. Any interaction between Darby and the Young Bucks? Has it hasn't been explored yet. So if Darby's pulling this kind of rating with Ethan Page and with him in his big main event spot, like I've said before, there's like there's more there below the surface with with Darby.
1: Oh, yeah. No, he's still I mean, there's still a ton to do with this guy, as long as he doesn't get completely crippled. Right. But I mean, uh, shit, like there is so much left on the table here, because at this point, like, what can you think of as his big programs? Cody, uh, Miro, not oh, even so, really it's, just it's like, like one a, match, a, sort of like a Moxley,
0: but like thing, but like but that, that was only TV, and that was like a mini program, and it like happened right. like a couple months apart,
1: and it hasn't really been blown off. It still feels like there's room to go back to that. Yeah. Same with the Cody, really, it still feels like you could still go back to a Cody Darby match. You got yeah, Ethan that, Page, like you re- almost. I mean, really,
0: this guy. this this, it, this is like. Darby's, like, signature program, I guess.
1: So far, yeah. This is, like, the biggest program that he's actually done in AEW. You know, it's got, got Sting involved. You got the tag team stuff. You got this big blow-off match on on TV main event. Like, and you still you still got room to, to do whatever you want with him. It's, it's, like, it's nuts. It really is nuts to think about because, again, yeah. Like, <laughs> talking about just the history of Darby and just where he's at right now. I mean, part of it, too, is obviously... Obviously, part of it is, you know, pandemic years and all this stuff that's going on. So it's hard to compare. But with things going back to normal, he's still poised to like prove that it wasn't just a, oh, this is a pandemic guy. Like, oh, no, like this is going to be a real guy. This is going to be a real difference maker kind of guy, which is just, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with him now because they, they need to keep the foot on the pedal. I don't think that they need to, you know, put the brakes on and, and it's like kind of phase him down. He needs to be treated as like a top level guy moving forward for AEW.
0: Yeah. Like I think we like when talking about AEW initially in the beginning stages of it, I think everyone always had Darby pegged as a guy that if they got him right, that's a future major star. But I think even now we didn't know how, how big Darby Darby would get. We knew Darby would go out there and have the great matches, but did anyone really expect that Darby would go out there and potentially be the biggest ratings draw on AEW and that he has, like, even higher to go? No, I don't I, I don't think we
1: really envisioned that, but, like, it's also not the most surprising thing either. No, I mean, it is. It's, a lot of stuff that happens in AEW, we get shocked by, or at least I do. And we talk about it and we're just, like, so perplexed. But it's, like, it's basic stuff that makes sense and shouldn't be surprising. But we've just been trained for and beaten down for so long by WWE doing it wrong that you forget that, like, this is how wrestling should work. Because this is basic stuff. This is, like, basic old school wrestling. Like, you got a guy, he's getting over. Who cares what he looks like or that he doesn't fit the mold of what you want? He's over. So go with it. You know, but it's, like... Like you said, looking at it on paper before, you think of it WWE, and you just think, oh, they're never going to actually do anything with Darby. You know, just because he's he's small, he's weird, all that I mean, fuck, I talked about it with Moxley in the past. Moxley being a little bit goofy and weird and not fitting the mold of what Vince liked, held him back in WWE. And he's, like, big. He's gigantic. He's, like, a really big wrestler guy. And You know, but just being a little bit off makes it so that they don't get a push in WWE. Like, Darby, no fucking way. So, yeah, the the fact that he is... And he feels like definitely an AEW lifetime guy. On top of everything, like, the idea that he says he doesn't really care about... Or he always kind of cared less about money and all that stuff. And he was fine with living in his car and everything about that. Like, the fact that AEW has given him all this, I really think that he's the kind of guy who's, like, not going to go to WWE ever. Because... What would make him think he can trust them? You know, they, historically they never can. And if AEW is going to take care of him, why would he ever even think about leaving? So and, and then yeah, coming in an,
0: and then coming into NXT and like having Gabe there,
1: right? Exactly. That doesn't help. That doesn't help at all. Which I didn't even think about that as well. So yeah, there's there's no way he's like an AEW lifer, which is pretty cool to think about that he could be a top star for them for for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, ROH, <laughs> the greatest pay-per-view of, uh, of the pandemic era. Um, I guess not, right? They have a crowd, kind of. Um, did you watch the pre-show at all? I did not. Yeah, I didn't expect you to. I think I only watched the singles match. I didn't watch the... There was a tag match with, uh, PCO and Danhausen, so... I think I stopped watching when the match was going to start. I, like, paused the show and I was going to go back to it, and I just never did. Um... But Ray Horace versus uh De- Demonic Flamita, I think he was he was uh billed as was um definitely very uh you know fine. it's it's weird to see Bandito winning the championship, spoiler, in the main event, and uh and Flamita in the opening match with Ray yeah. Horse. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess it is what it is. I was watching it and I was thinking about how <clears throat> Wrestling, again, this kind of plays into the the, the stuff I was talking about, wrestling being wrestling and then being like WWE-ified and years and years now of like being kind of taught to think of things in the WWE like paradigm rather than just pro wrestling. And I was thinking about Ray Horus and how like, I've always been like whatever and kind of thought like, why do people use this guy? But in this setting and what he's doing here, I was like, oh yeah, like this is the perfect guy for this. He's, like, solid. He's doesn't fuck things up. He's a good, you know, a good enough wrestler. And he delivers you, like, decent matches where he can put people over. Like, of course you need a guy like that as, like, just it on the roster. You know what I mean? Like, jobber to the Stars kind of level guy. But it's like, WWE just doesn't really have people like that or, like, people that they, like, present that way. Um, even if everyone is... Because ba- everyone's just, like, treated as the same level. So it's like, oh, okay, like... I kind of thought about it and I was like, yeah, like well, over the years I've always been like, why did people fucking even use this guy? Um, but it's like, oh yeah, like he serves a role. So that was kind of a was kind of a, what crossed my mind during this match. But otherwise, it was like fine. Um, like I said, didn't watch that tag team match because do not have time for a tag team of Danhausen and P C O. You sure, man? Think like you think. Yeah, i Yeah, not gonna not gonna take my time for that one. Um I have no idea. I I couldn't even begin to imagine. I couldn't dream to imagine uh what what happened in that match like a tag team of of Danhausen and PCO. I did think about it when I realized that I didn't watch the match. I did think about the fact that um oh and I listened to the the Submission Squad. You remember that that uh, that old stable. they were like they were they like Submission Sorority? No, no, no. The the, the stable of, like, uh, Pierre Abernathy. Um, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Gary J. And Matt Jackson, but that wasn't what he went by when he wrestled. Um, but, and how they run St. Louis Anarchy. They do a podcast, but it's not out very often, but it came out. And they talked about uh Warhorse showing up on their show and stuff. And I, I thought about it. Danhausen is signed to ROH and working on their fucking dark show, and Warhorse is still just working like St. Louis Anarchy. And like, Warhorse isn't great, <laughs> but he's fucking light years ahead of Danhausen as a wrestler, right?
0: Yes, way better. Like,
1: <laughs> what the fuck? But, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't really know what we're doing here.
1: Yeah. Pay per view opens up. The Briscoe brothers come out. Um and I guess they had some kind of like fight on the ranch or whatever that was on YouTube. I actually yeah. saw the YouTube um uh, the fight on the fight
0: the fight on the farm.
1: Yeah, I saw the YouTube video before I even watched this pay-per-view, but I I, I was like, "Oh, I should check that out," but I never went back and did. I guess that kind of plays into this cuz there's some kind of beef between them. Did you watch the fight on the farm?
0: I didn't. It came across It came across my uh my YouTube recommendations
1: and I thought about it for a second and I said, "No." Yeah, me too. I was like, I'm, i w- I'll watch it, and then I just like never did that. That's like the story of my life at this point. I'm like, I'll, I'll watch that, and then just never, never go back and check it out. Um, and <laughs> you talked about it. P. J. Black comes out with Brian Johnson, The Mecca, and uh, he's cutting, you know, his promo and all this, and I just, it's another one of these fucking guys, who's on the indies or you know ROH level guy, who just for some reason, a ton of people just like are wetting themselves about how this guy is so good on the mic. And I hear him and I'm just like, he's fine. He's like, okay. Not really interesting, but he doesn't like mess words up. And that's like the barrier for people to act like someone's good on the mic. It feels like at this point. And he just talks and talks. And I'm just like, well, is this guy going to ever shut the fuck up? And I was just so annoyed by this guy, um, yeah. and not like in a oh the, so much heat, but just to like why do people talk about the, this guy like he's fucking you know oh he's a he's good on the mic I I don't see it I really don't um, yeah <laughs> what do you, what how do you feel about Brian Johnson
0: I, I think that our standards are very low right now I think that we have very low standards in uh u.s wrestling right now that's not aew (laughs) i think that that's i I think that that's more of the thing so he comes around it's like oh wow a guy that can like talk coherently (laughs) man yeah
1: like that's the level and it's it's fucking sad uh the match itself was fine i guess some back and forth uh Double, good double-team stuff from the Briscoes, but, like, PJ Black and Brian Johnson just feel like nothing as a tag team to me. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess the,
0: the exchange between um, uh, Brian Johnson and Jay was all right. But, but still, yeah. And then PJ Black is one of the most confusing wrestlers I think I've ever seen because I don't really understand this hair and facial hair thing that he's been going for the last couple of years
1: yeah i don't get it pj black's a guy who i like um i feel like i make myself think that i like him or he's good every now and then and then i watch him wrestle and i'm always like i don't think i've ever liked one of his matches Yeah, but like in theory, when I think about him, I'm like, oh yeah, PJ Black, he was good, and it's like a, it's like a weird like, he was like one of the better wrestlers in the Nexus or something. So I just think like, oh, he's decent, but then I watch, I've never seen him have a good match. I've never really cared about anything he's done. So yeah, I'm just like, that's where I'm at with uh with PJ Black. Um, Followed up with Flip Gordon versus EC3,
0: the essential Um, character.
1: Yes, the 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 narrative has been freed. What the, um? What the fuck is
0: this? I I've seen. I know that he's been there and like had like a feud with Jay
1: Briscoe and all this stuff. What the fuck is this character? No clue. And this match was particularly odd because I think that he's just back from an injury. I think I heard. Um, and he. Lumber's around the entire time, even before they start the knee-selling thing. He seems like he's almost immobile. Um, they can barely, like, move around and then continues. Like, obviously, once it turns into the story of the match and working the knee, I guess it makes sense. But he's just a big stiff. And it's crazy because, like, Derek Bateman wasn't wasn't this in the beginning. Yeah, like, he would. Know, he, he had was, some personality.
0: He was not. He has some, like, ex- explosiveness to him.
1: Yeah, he could wrestle. He'd be interesting. He had personality, and now he's like this weird. And I can't get this fucking narrative, you know, free the narrative thing. Like, it it feels like a MAGA guy presentation, you know, like oh yeah, you know, the, the you know the 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 liberals don't want me to say, but then nothing about it ever comes across like it's actually really a political or like anti-cancel culture thing it's like he's trying to like channel austin Aries' social media personality but like do it in a way that's not going to offend anybody by just being like i'm edgy because i i think that normal people are dumb you know like that's like the extent of what he has to say but he's not talking about vaccines or you know vaginas tasting like pennies like he's none of that's coming through it Um, so it's just, like, a lot of nothing. It's just, like, a big empty balloon. Um, and, And, yeah, the selling...
0: And and, and then then somehow, like,
1: if there's any
0: place in which he should, uh, maybe tap into that, it'd be facing Flip Gordon, who probably stands for all those things. Yeah.
1: (laughs) No, no, Flip Gordon is totally that guy. Like, he's playing, like, a Flip Gordon kind of character. You know? But, yeah. Like, the kind of idiot who says the Earth is flat and all this stuff. Um... But yeah, so he was, like I said, he was already lumbering around and seemed like he was almost immobile to begin with. Then he starts, you know, he's selling the leg and it's not very good selling, but he's just continuing to be stiff and slow and look bloated, um, which is like, whatever. I mean, he looks great. Honestly, he's all muscly and stuff, but he can barely fucking move. So, he He, yeah, he, always,
0: he always looked great, but like, yeah. now he just, he just, he just a where he just yeah, is. And that really, like, what's the
1: point now? The one thing that, was a takeaway here and it reminded me of um of this really really insane stupid thing that i heard dave trying to argue about that like roh should turn into being all pure wrestling (laughs) like they should make that the pure wrestling rules be their their main rule set so that they have something different that stands out it was like just a cockamamie insane like idea but what i thought about was this match and this while I was watching it and kind of the presentation and how Flip Gordon is kind of the perfect guy for ROH right now um, to be able to go between the two different styles. Because right now, ROH is like pure wrestling and then like lucha guys. And Flip yeah. Gordon can kind of live in both worlds, um, you know, and he showed it in this match a little bit. Like he he could do some wrestling and some mat stuff and he can also do some high flying And I was like, damn, they should go with Flip Gordon as one of their top guys right now because he can, like, kind of fit those roles. He's got some, you know, built-up equity in the company. He's been there for a while. He's decent. He's fine. Like, to me, Flip Gordon's issue has, I mean, he was definitely very stupid in the beginning and had, like, indie guy brain. But, like, at this point, he's slowed down and he's pretty serious. And, like, if you just take out his social media presence, he's, like, a fine wrestler.
0: Yeah. And he's he, definitely yeah.
1: at the level of being like an ROH guy who could be pretty solid at the top. So it's just like this is like their perfect guy. And he's he's just working this match. And then after like everything that happens, he just fucking loses submission to EC3 out of fucking nowhere. Not not built up at all. Just seems like a complete fucking joke of a finish. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, why would you do this? And then the post match bullshit with the you know, shake my hand, shake my hand, and then he spits in his face, like I was just, like, really taken aback because I was just like, what the fuck is this? And it's just ROH cannot help but do dumbass booking. This makes no fucking sense. And as I was saying, like, Flip Gordon is a guy that they should be pushing. They should not really care about EC3. He he is not, you know, the future for them. He's not going to do anything for ROH. And Flip Gordon they could actually do something with. And he loses in this really dumbass way, and then they do this Really ridiculous post, Matt. So, yeah, I was just like, what the fuck? So, sorry, I steamrolled over you a bunch there. Quentin, what are your thoughts?
0: Uh, no, you're good. I just didn't expect you to be so passionate about Flip Gordon versus EC3. Um, <laughs> I mean, no, like, you're, EC3 doesn't offer anything. Like, there's no real cachet or benefit to making him go over your your guys. Especially someone like Flip, where if you just erase like the social media history he's turned himself into a fine wrestler. He's fine. I don't think Flip Gordon will ever be good. Flip Gordon will never be great. I don't think Flip Gordon should ever be someone that you build your company around, but he's a fine wrestler and I think that he's got he's gotten to he's gotten to that point over the last couple couple of years. But yeah, to sit here and, and have him playing it playing a heel still really in Doing stuff that's outside that's outside of his like wheelhouse and outside of like what he's best at, but he's he's worked on it. But to still lose to EC3 and this clearly still be about EC3's character and his arc. It's yeah, like it's this what, like what what's the point here?
1: Yeah, it was ridiculous. Follow this up, uh, trios tag. You didn't mention you didn't mention this. Uh, when you're talking about stuff that was decent or good or whatever on the show, I guess you really only mentioned one match, so I shouldn't shouldn't assume that you don't think there's anything else good on here. But uh, this trio is, I actually really enjoyed, um, especially Shane Taylor produ- production or promotions. Like that is a money act, I think. Uh, but Quentin, what did you think of this match? Uh, I,
0: thought, I thought I thought it was fun. I thought uh, uh, Khan looked looked, looked looked really good in this. I wanted to see I wanted to see more of him. Um, Dag Draper looked good in his spots with the one of, with the big power spots, uh, lifting and turning into that and turning into, turning into that power slam. And Don Castle was good, fun. I, I, I like this character. I like this character. This delusional. The fans are here to see me. with need more pizzazz and like that. Uh, the dysfunction that causes on his team. I, I like that. This this was fun. Um, not really much more to say a, about it because it's kind of like where it like where it ends. But Yeah, this was was really fun. It had a bunch of, like,
1: colorful characters in it. This is, like, what I I want out of the, like, New Japan multi-man matches, you know. And kind of what you used to get at least a little bit every now and then um, when it would have, like, some of the top guys in, like, multi-man matches on, like, you know, smaller shows or B-shows or whatever where there's, like, personalities, a little bit of story, you know, some intrigue. And then, yeah, decent spots and work, but not like you know, insanely great psychology, but basic psychology. You got the heels, you got the baby faces, and then in this one, you've got a delusional heel. You've got what I what I've decided as you were talking there. You've got midlife crisis, uh, Dalton Castle.
0: That is yeah, I'm, Dalton I'm Castle.
1: I'm he, into it. Yeah, he started out and he was the flam, he was flamboyant and young, and everyone loved him. He got the back injury and he got really depressed and sad, and then now he's like. Come on, guys. You all loved this. Remember when I used to do all this stuff? You loved it. Like, why don't you love me, baby? Come on. Like, I'm going to be crazy. I got I got the guys. I got the fans. Why is no one chanting fan up? You know, like he's just he's clearly going through this this uh, this midlife crisis where he's trying to be go back to the old him. But it's just not working anymore. He just doesn't have it anymore. You know, you can't go home. And uh, so I like that because yeah, it's like causing issues. He's he's we got to do it together. When he climbs up to the top with Ison, like they're gonna do some like you know double high flying move together. Like yeah, was, was, very uh, he was he was
0: he was one of the boys, right? Uh,
1: no, no, Ison was not one of the boys. He
0: okay uh, he okay he was. What were they? What were their names? The the boys whatever. The boys, or the, the the boys names?
1: are are Brandon and Tate. Are Brandon and something Tate? They're the Tate twins. Oh okay okay okay. Um, okay. Yeah, but Ison was part of uh, Cheeseburger's crew. Oh, cheeseburger gotcha, brought gotcha, in the the yeah. Shadow Squad or whatever and he had like a bunch of young guys that he put together. Um and Ism was a guy that I didn't really think much of early on, but I you know, there's something there. He's kind of pretty decent, but yeah, like I said, um coming out, coming to the ring, Shane Taylor Promotions looks like a money act. Looks like a top-level act. Um their presentation is phenomenal. Their in-ring work is cohesive. They come together like a team. The post-match stuff looked great like this is this is a bit this is a money group i think that this is a, a like a a stable of guys that look really great together i was just like super impressed with shane taylor promotions as a team uh you mentioned con but i thought mose and, and taylor were both really good too i mean and everything they did but Khan definitely was the workhorse of the team for sure but uh but yeah i mean the entire act i thought was money um just really great stuff and and the 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 baby face kind of team dak draper looked good castle playing his character was decent and showed me more than i've ever seen from him before so i was just kind of like all right like i'm into this so so yeah it's not like you know five stars it's probably like three stars or something but it's like it's it is what it is it's a trio's match in the middle of the card with some characters it was like pretty perfectly executed for that you know yeah. so uh so yeah follow that up last man standing versus uh josh woods and this is a good
0: place last real man standing
1: yes exactly and uh i like that um this is where I'll, i'll mention the statistics and the choice of using the statistics i thought was done really well by commentary throughout the night um the things that they presented the way that they talked about people's records and they kind of had the you know this is you know in this setting in this you know in these past however many days you know Whatever record it was and stuff like saying like you know this is Dalton Castle is undefeated in last let's say real man standing matches and this is really his match which goddamn like that's such a good one why does why does he not use that if it's his match and he's like oh and three in them he's, he should have called it that and been like his thing but whatever um, so I, I, this was a good match to point that out where they I thought that the way that they used statistics throughout the night and talked about stuff they did really it, it was really well done on the for the commentary team to make stuff. You know, feel like a sport and feel more like a, you know, like wins and losses and stuff matter. But then also, yeah, like not, you don't just have to, you know, give the the exact win and loss numbers. You can like work stuff to tell the stories that you're trying to tell. So I thought they did a great job there. Um, I said This match was pretty good, but it felt a little bit, I mean, I, Last Man Standing is really like my least favorite Stipulation I've always said this, and I kind of stand with it forever. Okay, all Uh, right,
0: all right. So, you dislike last man standing matches more than you dislike uh, collar mat dog dog collar matches. Oh, dog collar matches can be great, yeah, for sure. Okay, better than bull rope matches.
1: I mean, that can depend, but for the most part, yes. Okay, to me, great. I think, uh, it, uh, okay, so here's the thing, bull rope, like, if you mean the f- touch the four corners, like strap match one, then no. I think that that's actually probably worse. Okay. Um, but if you just mean, like, have, like, a, a bull rope where you just have the bull rope tied to the arms and you can finish it so with pinfall and submission, then that's better than last man standing. Okay. Touch the four corners is fucking stupid and you basically you only do like one of two finishes and it's always exactly the same. So
0: it just that was always like a even yeah. even as a kid, I thought that well this is like a stupid match. Why
1: why are they yeah.
0: why are they doing this?
1: Yeah. But last man standing, just the stipulation doesn't lead to entertaining matches because you're constantly breaking up the flow and you're constantly doing the ten counts and and then you get stuff like this, where this match I felt was a little bit into the WWE kind of plunder style of match. Um, so yeah, it just was not not necessarily for me. It wasn't terrible, but I think the way that everything was presented, and you want something big to make Woods look good coming out of this, and I just don't think that this match helped put him over. Um, and he should probably be a guy that they're trying they're trying to focus on. Another guy who does really well in the can, could do really well in like the pure rules setting. So if you're gonna be like focusing on that, he's the guy that you should be keeping strong. And and you know it's not like this makes him look weak, but it just didn't give him a lot. What did you think of this match? Yeah, um,
0: I feel like I I thought Silas uh, he he's usually fun in these settings like this, but Josh Woods is still kind of like trying to figure out his footing in in wrestling and like I think a situation like this with like a gimmick match with all these all well, the bells and whistles still isn't really exact exactly um his his uh his foresight so I thought he looked good in it good in it I think that silas as um this guy used to establish his woods credibility is about as a about as good a, of a use for Silas that you can do in 2021 but I think that there's still like some work to do on figuring out exactly what is Josh woods.
1: Yeah, it's just a bummer cuz he's been around for a while at this point. So you'd think they'd be starting to put that together, but Yeah. You no. Know, there's still time, I guess. Um next up Jay Lethal versus Brody King. Uh Dream match. I don't know. What, yeah, I was going to say I don't think this is two guys that you're too too big of fans of. What did I you mean, think I, of this one?
0: I mean, I like, I like Jay. I like Jay Lethal. I think he's um I I think I think pretty highly of him. Um you know, outside of uh harassment of uh, women and blackballing yeah. Taylor Hendricks from uh, from the from the promotion, but I don't I know I don't I I like Jay Lethal Brody King can be fun, but um, I like some of the ideas explored here. I like uh, it makes it made Brody feel like this big unstoppable tank, which th- I feel like they've done a pretty good job of Brody since he's come into ROH. Honestly, I think that that's one of those booking things that they can hang their hat on that. You know, for as much as the PCO thing might not have been for us, they booked PCO and Brody King pretty well while they were in Villain Enterprises. And I think that this, like, still persisted now with Brody, even in the fallout of Final Battle and giving him his own um, little unit. So, I think that Brody looked good here, especially against Jay Lethal, who is, you know, the most accomplished guy in our way at this point. I guess, you know, going between him and Jay Briscoe and... You know, giving him that lethal injection counter and all that stuff, and putting down lethal really, really decisively. I thought it, I thought it built Brody up really, really strongly, um, and I think that he's a guy that he should have the belt sooner rather than later. I know that we're going to talk about the main event and talk about Bendito winning the belt and everything, but he feels like a guy that should be winning the belt sooner rather than like trying to build it up, uh, you know, even longer over time.
1: Yeah. No, and he's. Perfectly built to take on and possibly even dethrone the guy who wins the title, Bandito, in the main event. Um, especially even with the semi-main event being his unit winning the tag team titles. So you kind of set that up where you can get that feeling of like, yeah, like uh, is his unit, you know, gonna gonna sweep all the gold? They I guess they lost a the title, then they win some titles, and then you think, okay, he's got this big win, and is he set up to? Challenge for the heavyweight title, and it would make sense. um Yeah, this was a great match to make Brody. I thought that Lethal was pretty smart in the way that he put Brody over. I thought there was a lot of little details that he did to help make him look strong. It was really giving um, in the way that he sold and the way that he basically let Brody no sell and take a, a ton of his offense and you know big kickouts and, and get his ass kicked. And so I thought, yeah, I thought Lethal did a great job helping him look good and Brody fulfilled his end of the bargain and yeah i think i think people have i think they've called him lucha lesnar which is really annoying and bad but uh but yeah brody is a perfect guy to go up against the new champion in bandito um so yeah solid solid setup for him to challenge for the title and possibly win it and i wouldn't be it wouldn't be the worst idea bandito getting the big win bandito doesn't i mean he's been the pwg champion forever at this point right but he hasn't really there hasn't really been a pwg um but uh He's not really a champion guy like he's definitely a guy who can win the title and definitely can be, I think, a top guy. I think he's got the charisma for it um, and the work. But I definitely think that he's probably a better chase guy, a better underdog baby face who's fighting for something. So having him lose the title relatively quickly might not be the worst, worst thing for his character. Um, follow this up with <laughs> Jonathan Gresham versus Mike Bennett. The, the miracle match, according to you. Quentin, what did you think of this one? Um, my
0: bad. uh always been a, like a fine wrestler. I think that the thing with ROH is that they always kind of like pushed him and presented him like he was going to be like the future, and like that can be kind of a turnoff with a guy that where you look around and there were people that were much better than him around at that point in time. You know, like the ACHs as Alexanders who weren't getting that same uh focus or narrative uh driven around their acts and performances. But he's always been fine and capable, I feel like. Uh to bring him in here, to bring him in here with a Jonathan Gresham, who's maybe the best guy at carrying people that I've seen with my own eyes as a as a as a wrestling fan. Like you're never gonna get you're never gonna get a get a match that's really disappointing out of this unless the other guy's completely fucking horrible. And I think that Jonathan Gresham being so good and being able to get so much out of a crowd and get so much investment out of them and making Mike Bennett, like Mike Bennett, who's, you know, OG OG kingdom, a longtime <laughs> time year R- ROH guy, someone who's accomplished things in the realm of ROH, like the fans who are fans of ROH, remember this dude and make him feel like an underdog. In this situation, in this pure rules environment, that's a really big feather in the cap for Gresham, and a big feather in the cap for Mike Bennett to thrive in that role and like the desperation that he's showing and all that stuff. I feel like his selling could have been, a little, could, have been a little, could have been a little bit more consistent. I know I'm not the guy that usually points that out, but I feel like if the arm was going to play a factor into the finish and everything, that um, they could have done more with that and uh, selling that over the course of the match. But I thought this I thought this was very good. That fucking roll-through, kind of, like, leg-lock thing that Gresham did was fucking gnarly-looking.
1: Yeah. Um, Gresham was fucking amazing. Gresham is fucking amazing. We've talked about it a ton, but, I mean, this guy is one of the best wrestlers on the planet. You know, in the conversation for one of the best wrestlers of all time, when you really look at his body of work... Um, he just looks like a million bucks. He's in phenomenal shape. And like, he just wrestles this really basic style. Everything looks snug and believable. Things look super unique. It's stuff that you may have seen before, but with the way that he does it, just, he makes it his own, you know, where it feels like the first time you're seeing it, it looks just so fucking brutal. And like you said, like him just taking, taking Bennett apart, breaking him all the way down to where he feels like an underdog. He feels like outclassed out of his league He's, like you said, a 20-year veteran, a guy who's been presented in ROH from the beginning as a, you know, a next top guy, prodigy, you know, kind of big deal wrestler from the beginning. And he's in here, and Grisham just, yeah, makes him makes him sympathetic, makes him feel like an underdog, and just takes him apart. I was looking at it. I was looking up Bennett a little bit just to see. Because one thing that crossed my mind was how, this is weird, but that it feels weird for me to see Mike Bennett in ROH without Bob Evans. Was one of the first things when he came out. I was like, "Oh, where's Brutal Bob?" You know, it was odd. <laughs> um, but uh, I, so I was just checking it out, and this makes this just makes like the most sense ever. Is that on Cage Match? It shows Mike Bennett has being trained by Steve Bradley. Oh and, wow! Really? Yeah. Do you you know who Steve Bradley is? Yeah. Um. The uh, I can't. I
0: can't really. And I know he did a TNA. I know he did a TNA gut check. I know I know that. Yes. And he's
1: like kind of he's a kind of kind of a tall dude. He so the story of Steve Bradley is he was like one of the first WWE developmental hell guys. He was stuck in WWE developmental for like a decade in Heartland um and OVW. Um and just they just would never bring him up and people would say that like he was one of the best wrestlers that they had. He was phenomenal. He went from like developmental promotion to like he went to multiple different developmental promotions over the time. They kind of s- would say and people would compare him and say that like he was going to be WWE's answer to Rob Van Dam. He was like muscly, he could do insane high flying yeah. stuff. He was just this crazy athlete. Um but he just never got brought up to the main roster. Like just never became a, a big thing so it was just like um you know the kind of guy that just basically toiled away in developmental for years eventually um you know the way the rumors go is like they sent him to puerto rico and they were vet, they were just about to bring him up but it's like it's hard to say because he did a ton of different stuff throughout the years um and then eventually he just died of like a heart attack and just never came to like WWE main roster, even though like supposedly, you know, they would say like, oh, he, they were just about to bring him up. Like, that's the way some people like to tell the story, but it's kind of like, I don't, you know, they he, they would bring him up for like one-off matches and darks and stuff every now and then anyway, so there's like no way to really say for sure. But it's just like when you think about the kind of guy that Bennett is and luckily you know Bennett's still alive and he's not in developmental anymore but the idea that this guy when he started in ROH it was like the presentation of Bennett was like it's only a matter of time before he's in WWE it's only a matter of time before he's you know a big star on TV on Raw you know that was the way they presented him oh this is a WWE wrestler who's just not in WWE yet and then like eventually he goes but it was like nothing and it was like a hiccup or like it was stop start and disappearing and asking for releases and re-signing contracts and all this stuff. To where it's just like, <laughs> it's a weird legacy to be almost the same thing. The guy who was just like, this is going to be, he's going to be a huge star in WWE. He's going to be, he just makes so much sense. He's going to be perfect for them. And then it just never works out. And because at all times they're always being presented as, well, this is a WWE wrestler who's just not there. You know, he's the temporarily embarrassed WWE wrestler. Yeah, Um, especially, like, that thing
0: especially fucks him, like, fucked him early on. Yeah. Because then it makes it feel like he's too big for ROH, but then he's also not even even one of the best guys in ROH. So when uh, WWE eventually comes calling, it's, like, even more glaring, like, okay, he's definitely not even one of the best guys in WWE. He wasn't one of the best guys in ROH. And he, he and he they, they did this whole thing with him for like five years of like, oh, man, just wait when Mike Bennett leaves. And it's like, OK, <laughs>
1: yeah. So, yeah. So it's just like it, it's just too much too in between, you know, to like, what are you? You know, it's just like a, you're not you're not really a WWE guy because you never really make it there and you don't really fit in there. But then when you're on the indies, it's like you're a little bit too WWE to be an indie guy. So it's just, yeah, it's it's just a it's a shitty spot to be in and it's just very funny to think like, oh my God, like I, I didn't know that until right now when I looked it up, but like it makes so much fucking sense because it's like the, it's a very similar like career path of just being like just kind of too much in between and never being like, just a wwe guy so but yeah this match was was really good for what it was um and yeah i mean grisham is fucking phenomenal what do you expect grisham's phenomenal yeah like um, i said, like, I'm, I'm I think he's probably the best at carrying guys that i've ever seen i mean he's just one of the best wrestlers ever it's like he's gonna go out there and have a great match you know like that's that's part and parcel for what he does so no matter who he's in there with he's gonna make the match work it's a it's super impressive Another guy who usually is very good with about any opponent is Tony Deppen and he's out here with uh Dragon Lee. A guy who um I was thinking about it watching this and I was kinda like, you know, I saw Dragon Lee, I don't remember if he won or if he just made it to the finals of uh uh it was you or APW King of Indies. The you know Yeah, that was it. The promotion or the the tournament that like Daniel Bryan won or whatever, and people say like, oh, you know, it started uh it started ROH, you know, it was years and years ago, um, and I like I really like Dragon Lee throughout that tournament, watching him live in the building, and uh, you know, since then I, there's never been anything I super super loved from him. Um, it was funny because actually later, like the next day or a little bit later that day, I saw that match with him and Hiromu, um, where Hiromu got injured. Um, I was there for that one too, so. Um, yeah, like, ever since then, I was, like, I've just never been a huge Dragon Lee, like, nothing has really, like, done it for me. This was, like, the closest where I was, like, oh, Dragon Lee is, like, kind of, kind of getting there, you know, and then, then the match kept going, (laughs) and then there was a lot of really stupid fucking spots, um, and then the thing that really, really got me was the, uh, the Germans, the no Cell Germans, like, rolling through fighting spirit bullshit, uh, just really... It was just it came at the wrong time in the match, and it's just something that annoys me in general. And it just felt like you're getting to a point where you're just doing overkill, um, and yeah. So this match was really good, but they should have just cut it. I think cut the time a little bit, and like, especially, you know, obviously, especially, for, especially for the
0: pace, like, you no, know, yeah. at the at the pace they were going at, uh, but it didn't really make sense. Also, it was weird to like put two matches like this back to back. With the TV title match and then the tag title match, who kind of like worked at the same kind of super high energy pace right next to each other.
1: And I think part of it, like this is not necessarily a long match. And Deppen right. has gone, has had like, you know, the <laughs> two hour long Ironman match with uh, Jordan Oliver. So it's not to say that he can't fill time um, with, you know, untalented slugs. But, um, but this match, they just didn't have they didn't need 10 minutes for what they were doing. And they kind of started doing stuff that they didn't need to do. And that is the thing is, is like, that's not necessarily the time thing though. That's also partially like where their brains are and that they think that like, you know, you do these spots and you do this kind of exchange and that's what makes an epic match. And for me, it just felt like overkill and like forced and a waste of time. So like if they had just kind of stuck with the opening for me, that I was really enjoying, and then kind of just, like, settled into just, like, a match and not had to do the big back-and-forth bombs and stuff, it would, that would have been enough. But to me, you know, then they, they for them, they thought, like, we have to do this, because we're trying to do a big title match. So, yeah. Um, that was kind of my thoughts. Did you have any uh, other thoughts?
0: No, you know it pretty perfectly. Are you aware that Dragon Lee is still only
1: 26? That is fucking insane. That cannot be true.
0: He's only 26. Same with Takashita. They're the same age.
1: Jesus Christ! That You're
0: gonna yeah, we're gonna get Dragon Lee for a long time.
1: <laughs> long, a lot long. I mean, uh, that's nuts. That is. I'm almost a little bit more shocked about Takashina, even though I think just last week we talked about that. But, yeah. <laughs> god damn it! Those two are they? They're not younger than you, though. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, yeah, still, yeah. I'm still a couple years younger than them. But Jesus Christ, that is ridiculous. Dragon Leaf feels... I feel like I've known about Dragon Leaf forever at this point. He's been wrestling it's, forever. It's
0: been, it's been since 2014.
1: Oh, man. That's that's crazy. Um, Get the tag team title match. I think... I think yes. Homicide was a last-minute replacement for Chris Dickinson? Chris Dickinson, isn't it? Oh, not Dickinson. Um, God damn it. He was a last-minute replacement for someone. I thought. Maybe
0: yeah, not. I'm pretty sure the unit is just Brody, Dickinson, Homicide, and Deppin. I'm pretty sure that's just... Okay.
1: Yeah, for some reason, I thought that he was a replacement for somebody, but he's not, because mm-hmm. that's the entire unit. So. Let, me,
0: let me make sure. Yeah, 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 that, yeah that's the whole yeah. unit. Yeah.
1: Um, so they come out here... Violence Unlimited comes out here to save Deppin from... Uh, what is it? elfec shown in Gobernables or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then... The foundation just come rushing out, um, which is the tag team champions of Jonathan Gresham and Rhett Titus. Yeah. Which I was not aware of that they were the tag team champions. The last time I had re- remembered that the tag team champions were like uh, Gresham and Lethal, but I guess Dragon Lee and Kenny King had had the tag team titles.
0: Yeah. Since ha- then, think- yeah, things happened between that.
1: Yeah. For some reason, yeah, they did like an interim, like a, a title switch where they put the titles on Lee and Kenny King so that they could then switch to. Oh, to, it was initially Titus and Williams. That's the replacement. Tracy Williams is out. Gresham was replacing Williams. Okay. Oh,
0: okay. Gotcha.
1: So that was the change. Okay. So Gresham sh- shouldn't have wrestled twice tonight, and he's not, he wasn't a tag team champion again, um, but he was in here defending. In place of Tracy Williams, which was fine. But then, like, they didn't... They didn't tell that story at all. Like, they did not seem to give you much of, like, a... Grisham already had a really hard-fought match earlier. Like, a long match. Like, it, it seemed
0: it seemed more about, like, Rhett Titus and then, like... Facing a guy like Homicide who was around when Rhett Titus was... You no know, still, like, an underling in ROH. Like, that felt like more of what they were trying to, like, push... Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it just it kind of felt like they this almost felt like uh, they just took the match that they were going to have or the story that they wanted to tell with Tracy Williams. And they just still did the same match basically in the same story instead of, uh, you know, adjusting for the fact that Grisham was in here in replacing Um, so that I mean, that's fine, I guess, you know, things happen. But that's the kind of stuff where you just you would expect a little bit better. Especially from someone like Grisham. Although Grisham did spend a lot of the match kind of selling. But he also didn't like... uh, He also took like a ton of offense. You know, so it's kind of like... You could have done like very light work on him. And still had him sell a bunch. And like play off the fatigue. Of that he had had such a hard fought match already. Um, But instead... It was kind of like he was just getting... The shit kicked out of him was why he was disappearing at times. Um, Either way... uh, It was... It was, you know... Fast paced... They definitely did a pretty good job working with the gimmicks here. I thought that this was be- a, a better use of, like, outside gimmicks and stuff like that than the Last Man Standing match. They kind of made the stuff, they built around stuff a little bit better and made stuff seem more important. Um, especially, like, the fork, you know, like, teasing the fork and then eventually building to using it. That was good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but I think you're right that having the match before this and then follow up into this match, it just, it definitely... Um, felt like overkill and it also at times you know what this kind of slightly reminded me of was like like doing like a pale a pale comparison of like those really good um doom patrol tag team matches that were happening in evolve when they yeah. were the tag team champions it was like replacing like Jocka with homicide so you're not even getting Jocka's work and then like having like gresham in here and ret titus instead of like you know workhorseman or something um, which is like a tag team that's like works really well in a setting like that. So it just felt like a or even or even a South
0: Pacific power trip
1: like yeah, exactly. So it's just like missing missing a uh, kind of like trying to do one of those but just like not not hitting at the same level that it did in the past. Um, get a little interlude here with like some women's tournament stuff. I've uh, got someone's out and they are replaced by Chelsea Green. Which is, I guess, a shocking turn of events, and she shows up. Um, I don't know if you even watched this segment. What do you think about Chelsea Green showing up in ROH? Is that a surprise? And uh, I, I, I liked her as a decent wrestler before she went to WWE. So he's fine, but it's um,
0: like ROH. I mean, the Women of Honor is still kind of a mess. Like, right? yeah. So it's, yeah,
1: still, it's like it's, she's. It's,
0: it's, it's weird. It's weird that this will be her choice because it can't. That can't be the only offer that
1: she had. Right. That's the part that seems odd because you would think that not only would Impact be interested, but that AEW would be interested, you know. So, but ROH has been a good like spot where you can just stop off and work a couple matches and not sign yeah, like a long term contract. True. So could definitely see something else happening there. Um, either way, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I think it'll be. Whatever, we'll see. This Women's of Honor thing does, like you said, feel kind of like a mess. Um, get the main event now. Again, I mean, I will say there was, like, a little bit in between. But if you think about it, these like these three matches are all very similarly paced back-to-back. Even the main yeah. event is kind of similarly, like, a sprinty match with some, like, brawling and outside of the ring stuff. But uh, what did you think of this?
0: Yeah, um... Roosh was really good in this. I thought this was one of the better performances I've seen from him in ROH. And he had good matches here. He's had good performances in, in the in the company. So don't, I'm not trying to make it seem like Roosh has been bad or anything. But it felt good to see him feeding off a crowd again. Like, one of the things that we talked about before here on, like, you know, Okada, he's a guy that really, you know, benefits from having a crowd. His, you know, base wrestling skill, like, it's okay, but it's not like, you know, he's not Fred Yehai or or uh, Jonathan Gresham like you know he still needs certain things in order to create a good match anything with FTR like their entire style is like literally dictated off of like crowd interaction and crowd heat um And Roosh is kind of in that same thing. So to see him like have a crowd to feed off of and a, a crowd that's rooting for the baby face um, to, to feed off of I thought that I thought it made for I thought it made for a good match. Bandido still isn't like the most sympathetic babyface he's good. He's not like this all world babyface to like real that like, reels you win. Um I thought Roosh's performance really held this match together. But it's, it still felt it still felt like a pretty important moment, all that considered.
1: Yeah, I thought I'm definitely with you for the most part um on everything you said there with, with Roosh. I thought that um he didn't you know he's a uh, Political, we'll say. And the finish was definitely political, but he was professional in the match here. He didn't have like any boo boo face. He wasn't like, he di- wasn't like marking that he's losing the title and just like kind of dogging it. Like he brought it and he worked hard. And like you said, he fed off the crowd, which part of it could be that. He could have came out here with every intention to just like sandbag and, 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 you know, make Bandito look like shit when he wins the title because he's that kind of guy. But he didn't you know and maybe he got caught up in the crowd and like he's just having so much fun because he's the kind of guy who feeds off the crowd you know he's so used to it not having a crowd i mean fuck you said it like roosh not having a crowd is like there's no fucking point he might as well yeah, like, like, wrestling. Like,
0: there's no there's no point there
1: yeah roosh is not should not have been wrestling during the crowd i get why he would because money right if roh is going to offer him money might as well take it but there is no reason for this guy to be wrestling with no fans like that is the whole fucking point of Rush's thing is f- working a crowd so he came out here and he was definitely into it and he was working he worked his ass off he took most of the match and bandito like you said maybe not the most sympathetic seller but bandito he's like diet generico you know it's like he doesn't. He's Generico is one of the best all time underdog babyface sellers. Super sympathetic. Bandito is not as like sympathetic. You don't like feel bad for him, but you start to root for him underneath. You know, you don't feel like he's in danger. You don't feel like he's dying. Like that's like what makes Generico fucking amazing, right? Like he was he. You you live and like die with every breath he takes. You want him to. You will him to come up, and you just believe that. Like it's going to take your energy to power him to the next move in the next spot because he's like dying. He's just like flopping like a fish and there's just no way he's going to make it. And somehow valiantly he fights back. You don't really get the same thing with Bandito, but you do get the part where you're like you're you you you're, you're cheering for him and you want him to pull it out. But you don't feel like he's like dying. You don't buy into the emotion of that. Like he he's just going to expire in some moment, you know, but it's like, yeah, it's like the it's the it's the knockoff. It's the dollar store generico thing where you like kind of get into it and uh, you root for him and you want him to win but uh the selling is just yeah you don't get the sympathy just kind of he's he's charismatic and then when he does hit his spots there you know it's cool stuff so you like get into that but uh if you were gonna have him win the title this was done really well like you said um even the finish which i think I, i was lucky because i got a little bit spoiled so I came into it expecting, like, real bullshit, like, real ruche fucking political bullshit. But to me, I was like, I actually liked the finish. I thought it, it was done super well the way that it was pulled off. And and to be fair, I think that was on me, because it was Joseph. Joseph Weirdness, we've talked about him in the past, um, who was talking about it, and I don't think he was even he was saying it was done well. But I just took it as, like, oh, you know, Joseph likes everything. He, he's saying it was done <laughs> well, but it was probably shit. Um, and it wasn't. It was, like, actually done well and I don't think that it like I don't think that it completely undercut Bandito's win. I just think that, yeah, it gave Roosh a bit of an out. But it also I think helps add heat and build further. Because even though Bandito wins and gets the title, he also got like supremely disrespected by Roosh. So now he's the champion and he's got a reason to like say like I still I don't want to just move on and take the title. I still have unfinished business with Roosh because of the bullshit that he pulled ripping my mask and uh you know disrespecting me post-match so to me i was like yeah obviously it's rouge he's being political he's protecting himself he's he's uh you know getting his heat back post-match but it was done well enough to where i buy into it to continuing the storyline and you know okay that's cool i can see i can see us going back to this match and, and it being interesting now because you've got a little bit more juice to it it wasn't just lazy like let's just brawl out into the crowd until the referee ends the match kind of thing. You know, they did it like in a way that helps push the story forward. Um, so that said, I mean, obviously ROH is back, baby. Um, this is like the golden age of ROH is, is coming back alive. Uh, Quentin, are we going to be reviewing ROH TV weekly now? No, we won't be.
0: Uh, <laughs> we will not be doing that. I, I would, I would like to not do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is, I guess, like a good, you know, first real show back for them. And they have they have wrestlers there that are fine, like that are, that are, that are good, people that I like. Um, it's still like one of the least interesting promotions on earth with confusing stuff. But, you know, Jonathan Gresham's here, so can't really always write it off.
1: Fair. Yeah, he got the best wrestler in the world. Or you know one of the best wrestlers in the world in the company, so you can always expect something out of him. And they actually focus on him. He had two matches on the show. So yeah, And, yeah, You know it's kind of tough to say like oh they don't well they have him but they don't use him now they use him. Um, so yeah, hey you know what John uh, John is worth every penny I'll say because um, the guy is phenomenal. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we go, or f- just feel free to say goodbye. Oh, i think that's. i think i think that's it for
0: us uh thank you all for listening we'll be coming back next week uh i don't know we'll fi- i guess we'll, we'll we'll figure we'll figure it out nothing pressing maybe come back to say some AEW maybe we'll go back and do and do some japan stuff we'll see but we'll figure it out thank you all for listening and hope you're next time